Hello, friends. Welcome to my Daily Caregiver podcast. My name is Joanne Bracewell. I'm a family nurse practitioner and I'll be your host. We're restoring hope to your day today by presenting interviews with people who share stories of difficult times in their lives where God has intervened and restored their hope through personal revelation of the truths of God's word. Some share their story through writing a book, like today's guest. Her name is Diana, and she's an author that I met while participating in an outreach to the Maasai tribe in Africa last fall. Diana and a few local ladies accompanied our ministry group to the churches where we spoke to the women about the dangers of female genital mutilation. I got to know Diana while we traveled about the different churches and saw her deep commitment to living out her faith and seeking God's will in her everyday life. Before I boarded the plane to go home, she presented me with her book to read on the way back to the U.S. Today, I look forward to introducing Diana to you to ask her to share her personal experiences with us. I know, friends, that her story will give you hope and joy about your situation, no matter where you are in life. Diana, welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you, Joanne. I'm well and I'm blessed. And it's such a blessing and honor to be here together with you today. Well, we're excited to get uh, talking about your book. Um, Your book has got so much wonderful detail. So the title of your book, Diana, How Jesus Restored My Worth, um, it has your full name on there. Can you pronounce your name for me, please? I want to be sure that I pronounce your entire name correctly. My name is Jemima Diana Jenga. Jemima. Jemima. Diana. Diana. Jenga. Jenga. Okay, so the N is silence. Thank you. Well, the book has so much information in there about uh, your trials and uh, the difficult times you've gone through in your life. But um, there, there, I'm sure as, as a child, a little girl, uh, you talk about being taught manners and discipline, being responsible. And there must have been some fun times as well. Uh, can you share some of those things with us? Yes, yes. My my childhood was uh, bubbly. I was a very bubbly child and very much excited with life. And uh, being the first one of three, I was the dotted daughter of my parents. And uh, my dad would always come with uh, chicken and chips when he's coming from work every weekend because the gap between me and my brother was five years. So I had all the time to enjoy and to be taken care of and to be loved and to enjoy my childhood memories with my parents before my brother, who is after me, came five years later. And in that aspect, I had my cousins around me. We would play around. We used to go to church. And it was fun and loving, to to say the least. And it was beautiful at the same time. The commitment of my parents to make sure that I'm clean, that I'm going to school, that I'm well-fed, it was Beautiful. Yes. So you were well cared for. And then uh, your brother came. And I would imagine many of us, when our little siblings come in, uh, a little bit of competition. Uh, but I, I'm sure you were able to handle his presence when he was born. Yes, yes, yes. We had a relationship that was uh, amazing because up to this day, he's married, but he still calls me his big sister. Ah, uh, that's awesome. Yes, yes. And- 
And family is such a great connection, especially for our listeners who are caregivers. When we have good family support, that makes a big difference when we have to take care of some family member or child. And knowing that we have that support can be really helpful. Uh, However, as you got older, you tell in your book about many difficult experiences that were just downright painful and, and humiliating. And I just, I don't know how you would have coped. Uh, Perhaps you could share with our listeners some of the things that happened, uh, you know, and, and how you coped in your heart and in your mind with those situations. At the age of five, I had my first experience with abuse from someone who was in the extended family. And I did not have the confidence per se to share it with anyone. So at that particular moment, I started experiencing nightmares and fears in my growing up. And it brought a lot of timidity, which was a root planted in me without me realizing how it will affect my life later. Mm -hmm. And the way I related with people before now, I recommitted my life to Christ later in years. But in between the trauma, the nightmares, the fears, the worries, the anxiety would always trigger a lot of insecurities within me. And I didn't even realize how much um, someone raising his or her voice to me would trigger the same fears because this person was the same person that probably I expected to give me safety or security as a child but they have violated me by the the abuse. In so many times, now that I'm a counselor, I can understand that as a child, the language that is introduced to you is the language that you interpret later in life in the so many decisions that you make in the way you relate to the opposite sex and also to the individuals that are around you. Because if you never felt safe as a child, you will struggle even in adult life for you to know what safety means. That's very important. As I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that this is a, a perfect way to explain that, that when we're, we're ch- children and we're growing up and we're relying on safety within our own home and we have those built-in desires, our brain computer, if you will, is, is wired to expect that uh, safety from family members or people that are, you know, parents or whatever. And I think that it's so hard for perhaps a listener that maybe going through something where they're frustrated or they're responding in a way with the people, the adults around them, they have relationships with, and they don't know why they're reacting like that. So I think it's, it's a wonderful point to make to our listeners that they have some kind of insight into this. <clears throat> Do you think it's difficult for people once we become adults to look back at those difficult situations and then say, you know, that may have really um, rattled my foundation and, and now I'm suffering because of it. Yes, yes, absolutely. I would say that um, our childhood matters so much and the way we relate in our adult life, it is totally a contribution of how as a child you are raised, the people around you, how they made you feel. If they never made you to feel seen, loved or valued in your adult life, you will find your behaving the same way, you're responding the same way because that's the language your mental capacity picked from childhood. Mm-hmm. You yes. find if I, I am an adult and I am needy, it is because in my childhood, 
I was never attended to. When I would cry and ask for attention, it would probably be like you're, you're crying for nothing or you're bashed out to keep quiet. So in adult life, you will find that behavior with an individual without them realizing it's a psychological memory mm. from the childhood traumas and it's, abuse. It's carrying one's childhood into adulthood. And yes. that filter is just destroying everything. Well, when did you finally, and you, you went through some difficult times for quite a long time. When did you finally realize that something wasn't right and that you needed to change the pattern, perhaps even when you were older. But when did you really come to terms with the fact that childhood was not the way it was supposed to be and you wanted to make a change and make some better decisions in your life, that kind of a thing? Um, I realized it later in life because in between at 14 years, I became pregnant with my firstborn child. And it is at that point I realized there's something that I am looking for, but I'm looking for it in the wrong places. Yes, that's important to realize, as well as the expectation, perhaps a parent would have warned us about those kind of things. Yeah. And then after the pregnancy, you uh, went into a a very difficult uh, marriage relationship with someone who, um, again, almost repeated perhaps what you experienced as a child. Yes, because my my mental language has already embraced abuse as normal. Mm -hmm. So I I got attracted to this abusive guy. He had very nice, sweet words to my ears. But when we started living together, he was physically abusive. And it, I, I thought it was normal because that is the language, emotionally, mentally, that is what I had picked and I had conditioned myself that it was normal. Now, when I was in that space is when I started realizing this is wrong because I might die when I'm still here and I'm not going to raise my children. The thought of my children now triggered me to think, what do I do from here? Do I want to stay in this abusive relationship or is there something better and worth living for than this abusive relationship? And at that point is when I encountered Christ as my personal savior. And it was now my answer to the question that I was asking myself, is there something better worth living for? So important. Yes. Yes. He he gives us purpose and just the mere fact that the God of the universe who created the entire earth and put the stars in the sky with his fingers would love us and want to have a relationship with us. And then developing that relationship with God, if one has been through an abusive situation, uh, perhaps trust might be an issue initially when we're trusting God totally with our our lives and had been living with other people, adults in charge, who on earth were not worthy of our trust. Yes, I struggled with trust for so long, but I got to a place where I needed to work it out for my personal relationship with God, because I also had first to understand that God meant well for me. And whatever I went through, it was, yes, path to purpose, but that should not define who God is. 
the deception I lived with for a long time was why didn't God protect me from this? Mm -hmm. And if he really loved me, why did he allow it to happen? Mm -hmm. Not understanding that purpose is always birthed through pain. It is now that I look back and I really thank God for my journey and for my process because it is what has made me to be seated here to share my story of God's goodness. Mm. I like that purpose is is birthed through our pain. And uh, it, it's, it's kind of interesting uh, that uh, even in uh, uh, life and um, life experiences uh, like childbirth, there is pain. And then the purpose is, is birthed through that childbirth pain. We give birth. And in your case, in your life, you've had to give birth to new ideas, new visions, and then a new path that God made for you. Um, you just, things just changed. And once you had some beginning awareness of a relationship with Christ and he put some people in your path, he opened doors of opportunity. And um, I don't want to tell the whole story from your book. So uh, maybe if you can just give a hint about some exciting things that happened, or perhaps maybe an example of how you saw God open the door and uh, allowed for you to move forward in your life. And really, as a result of that, it offered new opportunities and a new purpose in your life. God works in very mysterious ways. Uh, when I was in that relationship, uh, I got to a place where I started sinking in depression. But in, in my darkest moment, I called on God and I told God, if you deliver me from this, I will live my life for your glory. Exactly two months after making that prayer and commitment to God, a door opened for me to travel to London. And uh, when I went to London, I had encounters and experiences with God that I would never trade for anything. I saw God as a father. My relationship with him grew from depth to depth, from glory to glory. Mm. He would speak and minister to me scriptures when I'm standing waiting for the bus to commute to my workplace. He would send people to come and feed me and take care of me, people that I didn't know. I was not even aware they existed, but they would be given my name and address of where I am so that they could come and minister to me. And I stayed there for nearly two years and I had to make deliberate and intentional decisions that I had to choose God above everything else. And my life took a turnaround. I started enjoying and experiencing the better worth question that I had asked God previously. He started revealing himself to me. He started loving on me, showing me kindness. I started just having to enjoy the fullness of Christ in my life. And for that, I will forever remain grateful to God because he, he reintroduced himself to me and away I, from abuse. It's so important for our listeners who may not know much about who Jesus is or, or the God of the universe and that relationship, that personal relationship we can have through Jesus Christ, um, that it would be difficult to envision how that works. And, and I think in your case, it sounded as if you were very open to allowing God to work in your life and that you did not 
reject, so to speak, reject the help. Uh, find today that there are many people who have been confused or perhaps they've produced with so many different beliefs and uh, religious backgrounds or uh, the postmodernist, uh, the uh, move of our culture, at least in the United States. And uh, in order for people to experience this love that you talk about, people need to make a decision to allow God to show them who he is. So would you say you know, we, we need to be open to God's move in our lives? Yes, we need to. And also getting to the place of being vulnerable to accept that you need help. Yes. I really needed help. I was in a dark place and I needed to come out to experience the light. And the light that I needed was not the sun or the moon. It was a light that would illuminate in my own life and bring real transformation that when you see me, you see Jesus in me. I like that and light that illuminates within me. Yeah, that's within. Yeah. And that's from the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that we receive when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we ask him to forgive us of all of in the wrongdoing that interferes with our ability to connect with the God of the universe. And of course, we know because of his death on the cross that he took the eternal and the uh, provided the, the permanent uh, forgiveness for us uh, through his death. But praise God, he rose again from the dead. And uh, that is true and, and, and speaks a lot because Jesus Christ was the only prophet that ever said that he was the son of God. And he was the only one that would leave us some type of promise, that internal promise of the Holy Spirit, which guides us and directs us, as you said, very wonderfully. I, I so appreciate your just sharing with us a little bit. And uh, I want our readers to be able to uh, get your book and read some more. I know you're working on the technicalities of that. Um, and we will be providing that information for being able to link to purchasing your book on Amazon as soon as you have some of those details worked out. Okay, uh, would you would you like that if we had people uh, be able to connect with where they can purchase your book? Yes, absolutely. This is a testimony of God's faithfulness. God's grace upon my life and having to give people hope that no matter the situation you're in, no matter how dark it is looking, just know that there is Jesus, there is light. He is our light and he is our hope and he is our glory and he's the lifter of our head. And he knows where you are. He knows the abuse that you went through. He knows the struggle, the pain, the trauma, the crisis you're in because you desire to make the right decision. And when you have him, you will make the right decision. When you seek help from him, he will send you divine helpers. And in my story, you can attest when you read about my story of how Jesus restored my worth. He sent and positioned men and women to hold my hand, to help me in good counsel, in wisdom, to pray for me and cover me, to even feed me and clothe me. And it took, it has taken the hand of God. It has taken the favor of God for me to look back so many years and testify that indeed the Lord has been good to me and to my children 
they are there, they are all grown up. One is in college, the other one is in high school. It is surely the goodness of God and he's faithful. Amen. I, you, you've you've expressed this so articulately and I so appreciate it. I am encouraged for my own uh, personal journey and having myself been a victim of domestic violence, uh, have really gleaned a lot from your teaching in the book, your, your witness, your testimony, and your sharing with us today. Thank you so much for sharing with us today the the sample of this wisdom that you've highlighted in your book, uh, How Jesus Restored My Worth by Diana, uh, J- oh, Jim, Jemima Diana Jenga. And um, your obedience to God by writing your book brings this word out to readers everywhere. And we look forward to hearing more from you. And uh, we look forward to readers uh, everywhere. Africa, United States, who knows where, uh, to be able to uh, share this moment and to be able to sit down, read the book and, um, and, and really press in and find out who this man Jesus is and uh, his power and his, his might and his love for us. Thank you so much, Diana. You have a great week. You too. Thank you. Much appreciated. And that is our, the end of our podcast, My Daily Caregiver, uh, Restoring Hope to Your Day. We've presented an interview with Jemima Diana Jenga, and uh, her interview has shared a story of a difficult time in her life concerning uh, abuse as a child, as well as domestic violence in her adulthood, but how Jesus has restored her worth through that experience. Thank you again, friends. Have a wonderful week.